Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast that explores the creative and curious world of work through monologues and occasional conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and changemakers. What problems are you interested in solving? How would you tackle them in unique ways? Claire Schmidt, CEO and founder of All Voices, combined a passion for finding the root causes of massive problems with her interest in using technology to develop solutions. In this conversation, Claire talks about how she took her experiences in large companies, startups, and nonprofits to learn about the issues that affect workers and create a company that provides communication tools for employees and leadership. She shares the importance of asking questions, networking, and building healthy cultures from the bottom up. Whether you work for yourself or at a large company, there's a lot you can learn from Claire. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 610. I would say I am endlessly curious about root cause problem solving. It's something I actually discovered when I was working in a manufacturing facility and we were using the Toyota way to evaluate potential process improvements. Mm -hmm. And it really got me thinking about looking at the root of a problem rather than just quickly trying to come up with a solution to the thing that's right in front of you, because that's part of the Toyota way. And I thought about it as it relates to, I'm really passionate about, you know, solving social problems in the world. Uh, And so I started thinking about it as it related to all different topics. And it's, it's really just a rabbit hole. You can go down forever. And it's led me to, to many of the things that I've done in my career. That's so fascinating because how do you get to the root cause of massive social issues? I mean, you just keep asking questions and asking more questions. That's, that's also part of the Toyota way. And talking to people who have different perspectives on a topic until you can kind of drill down to a hypothesis about what might be at the root of something. How do you not take things personally when, especially with something that maybe you're so passionate about, how do you maintain that distance? Cause I guess I'm just asking for society at this point. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I mean, one of the things that I had to do when I started this company is I really had to be very intentional about separating the identity of the company from my own personal identity. Um, because especially early on, I, you know, I was the first employee. I was the only person. Like it sort of felt like the company was me and vice versa. And I had to really create boundaries and remind myself over and over and over. Like when someone says they don't want to use the product, they're not saying no to you personally. Uh, when someone doesn't like what you're doing. It doesn't mean they don't like you. Like just reminding and reminding and reminding until it really did get through my head. But the instinct was not to separate those two things. And I think that's, you know, like if you think about conflicts that are happening online, right? On Twitter fights or something like Mm -hmm. that. If you can think about the person disagreeing with you as someone who's disagreeing with the idea that you brought up, and not disagreeing with you, I think that can really help because you're able to stand at a distance and observe it a bit more logically. And it it might, you know, and we've all not done that well, I'm sure in the past, but 
it might help create a bit of distance that's really important. Right. Oh, I love that. And I love that conversation about separating, you know, our work identity from our personal identity because I know for myself and for a lot of creative people, we go through stages where we are our work. Especially if you put put it all out there, right? You like pour mm-hmm. your heart into something, just like I did with my company, just like <laughs> you know, my husband is a screenwriter. It's like oh, wow. that's even more personal feeling, right? Yeah. And so if you put a lot of yourself into something, it is hard to take a step back and say, well, that's not me. But if you if you really make the effort, I think it is more possible. Well, we've been talking about these massive problems. What got you interested in solving massive problems? I think it really started in my childhood. So um, I grew up with two parents who both of them spent their careers trying to make the world better using the skills and resources that they had at their disposal. So that's what I observed. And I think, especially as a kid, you, you absorb so much more than you're even aware of. And as I was growing up, like I became very passionate about, I think when I was six years old, um, I wrote a letter to the president about uh, the Gulf War, right? So wow. I always cared about trying to make the world better and doing what I what I can in order to affect change, even in a very small way. And I do think that came from my parents. Wow. Yeah, it's so powerful to have positive models of behavior and in our lives that allow us to see the possibilities for what we can do with our lives. Yeah, exactly. And and they shape you in ways that you're not even, like I said, aware of at the time, mm-hmm. but then later you you know, put the pieces together and you're like, oh, actually that makes sense <laughs> why I wanted to work on that issue. How did they model technology? Because, you know, you had you're so driven by technology. Is, was that something they modeled as well? No, not really. Technology for me is is a tool to do the things that I want to do. So I'm not interested in technology just for technology's sake. I'm always interested in it from the perspective of how can this help me affect the change that I want to make in the world? Mm-hmm. And because it is so powerful, I have found myself very drawn to it as a tool um, over time because with technology, you know, something that you develop can reach many more people much more easily than without. Yeah. One of the things, Claire, that really fascinated me, really grabbed my attention was you've used technology in, in some interesting ways to tackle enormous issues like child sex trafficking and making healthy food accessible to people. How did you use technology to work in those spaces that are so massive? I would say the way it played out was was very different in those two cases, but mm-hmm. it is for sure a passion of mine, like thinking about how technology can be used to solve social problems. Or in some cases, yeah. it may not be, right? Um, mm-hmm. But in those two instances, so in the first, as it related to child sex trafficking, you know, when I first heard about child sex trafficking, like I had never heard those three words together. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it was. And as I dug in a bit more, I realized it was something that was not only happening in the world, but actually happening in the United States. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think once I realized that it was happening, you know, in my city, it made it very concrete and real to me. And I felt like it was the most important thing in the world to spend time working on. I couldn't imagine working on something else. And so I came at the space with really a beginner's mindset because I was a beginner. I knew nothing about it. So really spent a ton of time talking to pretty much everyone in the space who would talk to me about child sex trafficking and child sexual exploitation. You know, at at the time, there were people that I spoke to who had been working on on this topic for 30 years, 40 years. And so I was able to learn and benefit from their knowledge about it. And what we at Thorne realized after doing a lot of research and having a lot of conversations, we realized that technology was increasingly playing a role in facilitating child sex trafficking and other forms of child sexual exploitation. And yet there wasn't really an organization focused on using technology to fight back, to combat the problem. And so we felt like that could be a really good role for us as a nonprofit. There wasn't really a market interest in this space because there's not a lot of money to be made. Right. But there's a huge need from a sort of um, social good perspective to to tackle that problem. And so in that case, it was really about using technology as a tool to combat that problem. And we we sort of got there by understanding how the problem was playing out mm-hmm. with Thrive Market, where I worked on access to healthy food. It was sort of the inverse where Thrive had this incredible technology platform built as a, uh, you know, as a, as a for-profit business to ship healthy food all over the United States. And they were really interested in the fact that there are so many barriers to mm-hmm. accessing healthy food for, for some families and some individuals in the U.S. And there wasn't really anyone who had the type of infrastructure, the type of scale that we had that could leverage it for good. So in that context, I, I came in to run the social impact side of the business. And it was really like, how can we best use this infrastructure that we have, this tech infrastructure that we have, and you know, shipping and logistics and all the other things that we've already developed for a good cause. And so it was sort of like, with sex trafficking, it was working forwards into figuring out that technology could play a role. With healthy food access, it was working backwards from, we have this technology, how can we put it to the best possible use? Hmm. I love those examples of how to use technology. At what point do you start getting the idea for creating your own company, moving from nonprofit, the world of nonprofits into entrepreneurship? So it was really interesting because throughout my career, I mentioned earlier, like I, I started in strategy consulting and, you know, management consulting. And that's really all about becoming an expert on something quickly and understanding solutions. Right. So that was like the first four years of my career that included the work in the manufacturing facility and the Toyota way stuff. Then I went into nonprofit. I did, I was there for five years. Then I went to Thrive Market and it was a startup. So mm-hmm. grew very, very quickly while I was there. I got to see a company kind of like on the rocket ship phase of, phase of growth, which was really fascinating to me as well. And I got to do good. And then most recently, before I started my 
before I started All Voices, I was VP of technology and innovation at 20th Century Fox. So I've gotten to work in like a bunch of different, very, very different environments, you know, massive hundred year old company, growing startup, you know, small nonprofit, doing big things, consulting, um, which gave me exposure to, I think I consulted for like more than 30 companies during my time there. Wow. Across all of that. And it, and it all only makes sense in hindsight, as is so often. <laughs> with career. So true. Yeah. So true. Um, <laughs> but I had really gotten, um, first of all, I'd gotten extremely passionate, as you can probably tell, about tech for good and how technology can make the world a better place. I had also seen, you know, different dynamics at each of those companies and and experienced different things as an employee that made me feel like there was an opportunity to make the employee experience better. And it wasn't about perks. It wasn't about, you know, vacation. It was something much more fundamental. And so I had this kind of percolating in my head. And while I was at Fox, I read Susan Fowler's blog post about her experience with sexual harassment at Uber. And it really got me thinking about how society and workplaces are set up currently or were at the time um, where if you're an employee and you are having some type of question, concern, um, more serious issue like harassment, you really only have a couple of options about how to bring those forth. You can talk to your manager. uh, You can talk to HR. You can try to get a meeting with someone in, in, you know, executive leadership like the CEO. And that's kind of it. And what I thought after reading Susan's piece was that, first of all, she was incredibly brave for going and talking to HR on her first day of work about sexual harassment. Second of all, I really thought she was probably an outlier, meaning that the majority of people do not feel comfortable doing that. Um, And when I dug into the data, I found that actually 75% of people who experience harassment at work never speak up about it. So they just stay quiet and no one is aware that it's happening. And to me, that seemed like sort of an invitation to dig further into the space. And when I looked at, and that's EEOC data, and I looked at some other EEOC data and it said that of the people, that small fraction of people who did speak up about harassment, Mm -hmm. 75% of them said that they experienced retaliation for speaking up. So those two statistics taken together, to me, really seemed indicative of a broken system, Mm -hmm. which is that most people stay quiet, don't share the information with their companies, companies can't take action or investigate. And then when people do speak up, they experience retaliation and, you know, sort of that negative feedback cycle, that feedback loop is reinforced where basically the message is it's not safe to speak up. Right. and harassment isn't the only thing that's happening, right? There's so many, you know, concerns and types of issues and employees have experience, um, you know, bullying and mistreatment and discrimination and bias and microaggressions. And even outside of that sphere, employees have questions that they don't feel comfortable sharing. Employees have ideas that they don't feel comfortable sharing. So to me, basically, it seemed like there's an opportunity to use technology to facilitate communication between 
employees and leadership in a different way. And that's really what All Voices is. That's so cool. When you were digging into the data, I imagine you were also asking questions and and reaching out to people and and doing what you do and and really finding you know the root cause. Were there any stories apart from the blog post that you read that really transformed the way you were thinking about the issue? Yeah, I, I did do that. You're right. I can't help it. That's just my approach <laughs> always. <laughs> it's excellent. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> thank you. Um, so I talked to pretty much every like type of party who would be involved in something like this. So I talked to lots of people you know, friends and connections who are employees, people who had experienced harassment, people who had quit their jobs over something even less serious than that, uh, mm-hmm. but wanted to share their perspectives. I talked to HR leaders. I talked to lawyers, um, employment lawyers. I talked to CEOs. And pretty much everyone was saying the same thing, which is mm-hmm. there is an information gap and there isn't a great solution out there today to bridge it. And it is needed. And so that gave me a lot of confidence in starting this company. I talked to a couple of CEOs who actually became our first investors. Oh, cool. One of them, Spencer Raskoff was the CEO of Zillow and was like, this is, if you're able to pull this off in the way that we're talking about it, like this could be incredible for helping companies build healthy cultures and communicate better with employees and hear from employees. Um, And he actually ended up, I think he was the first commitment in terms of um, investing in our pre-seed round. So at the time there was no product, uh, Mm -hmm. there was no, no team, but it was an idea. And he and another CEO, uh, Adam Miller, who founded Cornerstone on Demand, both came in with checks um, Sean Rad, who is the CEO, was the CEO and founder of Tinder, mm-hmm. became an early uh, advisor and investor and then, you know, co-founder. And so there was a lot of enthusiasm about the potential that something like this could have. Um, and I saw that right away. And although I wasn't planning to leave my job, I was just planning to do <laughs> a research project. Um, I ended right. up leaving my job. Wow. One of the interesting things, Claire, is, you know, how did you get access to these people? I mean, you you listed some big companies, some big names. Was it just under the guise of, hey, I'm doing this research project? Or was it something else that allowed you to get that access? It was all through people I knew. So just like introductions made, mm-hmm. networking. And, and that's something I really try to do now for other people who are you know, starting out or looking into a new space and wanting to start a company. Like I try to make those intros whenever I can, because that was so helpful to me. And I think, uh, you know, someone that I worked with at Thorne is who introduced me to Sean and then Sean introduced me to Spencer and Adam and, you know, Spencer is massively connected and introduced me to all different people. So I think it's about, yeah, finding people who you've, you know, worked with in some capacity in the past that can kind of like vouch for you and say, Hey, you should talk to this person. And then, you know, hopefully once you talk to that person, they're interested in what you're doing and they want to support what you're doing and they're willing to make another introduction. 
it's so great that you also want to model that for other people too. So in a way, it's like going back to your parents and what they modeled for you. You know, you're you're modeling how you want to create an environment where you can then help connect people as well. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a good point. I mean, I think especially for, you know, someone who's starting a company, like it's a really hard thing to do. You're working against a lot of inertia, which is like things just staying the way they've always been and working the way they've always worked, especially at first. Like the first people I talked to when I actually had a product, like some of them got it, but some of them were like, wait, what? Like, what are you trying to do? I don't get it. (laughs) So when you're in that like kind of uphill battle every day, it's really nice to have people who are kind of like reaching out a hand and helping you along. Right. I'm curious how you went from idea to creating a product to building a team because Oftentimes when creative entrepreneurs get an idea, it's like you you keep the idea in your head and polish it until it's perfect. But obviously when you're building a company, you can't do that because time is of the essence. Yeah. So it was a really interesting time in terms of like how this all played out. So <clears throat> Sean and I met in like May of 2017. And we had a a lunch where we were talking about this topic. And Mm -hmm. I was like, listen, I'm really passionate about this. I'm going to start doing some research. And he was like, great. I'd love to like help out in any way that I can. So he made some of those introductions early on. I did a ton of research and I wasn't like, it wasn't like I had this like light bulb moment quit my job and like started building. It was much more gradual than that. So I was doing research. I was trying to understand what tools are out there today that employees can use to share feedback or ask questions or speak up about something serious. Really all I found during that research was culture surveys, which Mm -hmm. are great, but not really intended for the use case that I was talking about. Mm. You would never, for example, uh, report harassment through a culture survey, most likely. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then also like, let's say you did have a question and it was a timely question and you weren't comfortable asking someone directly. You wouldn't want to wait for a culture survey to come out to ask your question and then not get a response back because culture surveys are really not, you know, founded on two-way communication. So to me, it did really feel like there was a massive gap there. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I found out about whistleblower hotlines, which I had never heard of in my life, including working at Fox, where we had a whistleblower hotline, um, Mm -hmm. as all public companies are required to have. Mm -hmm. And when I talked to people about whistleblower hotlines, they basically said, no one ever uses these. They're a very frustrating user experience for both parties, the Mm -hmm. recipient of the report, as well as the employee who submits the report. They're not really designed well for two-way communication. People don't really use them. You know, I talked to some people who are like, yeah, we, we get like one whistleblower report, like every few years. And again, it wasn't the case I was talking about because I wasn't just thinking about harassment. I was thinking Mm -hmm. about questions, culture, feedback, uh, ideas, not necessarily only negative things either. So Mm -hmm. that didn't seem like quite the right tool. So it really felt like there was this massive gap between those two that 
actually my, my perspective after talking to all these employees was that most issues and questions and concerns and comments fall into that like white space. And the alternative, if you don't want to go talk to someone directly about these things or you don't feel comfortable or you want to speak up about something more incrementally, right? And you can't do that when you're you're sitting down in person. You can't tell them half the story and then say, actually, I changed my mind. And please erase your your memory of the last 20 minutes. (laughs) So it felt like there was an opportunity to build something that could really move the needle. And so Mm -hmm. from there... Sean and I worked on basically what would this product look like and worked with actually some, a third party development agency that helped us build a prototype that we could get in front of people and get feedback on. So that's, that's really how it worked. And then once we were showing people even just our, our deck about, Mm -hmm. you know, what was needed and, and the potential people started saying, yeah, I'll write you a check. I'll invest. So that's how it all kind of came to be. Um, And the interesting thing about this was it in the background, the Me Too movement was starting to take off. That was the backdrop. And so I think there was a huge, there were stories basically every day about a different, you know, crisis at a different major company. And we were the only ones at the time raising our hands and saying, actually, we built something. We're like working on building something exactly for this purpose. I mean, how timely. I mean, I, yeah. I hate to say that because it's such, you know, it's so heartbreaking some of the a lot of the stories that have come out, but I mean, right place, right time for building this product. Yeah, and I mean, what I find more heartbreaking is that these things have been going on for a really long time. Yeah. And employees have not had resources and in many cases they've had nowhere to go and mm-hmm. um nowhere to share their experiences. And so, yeah, I mean, it's heartbreaking that it, you know, when it came to light, hearing about the things that have happened is like crushing, but also it's really hard to know that like some of those stories had been 30 years in the making, right? There was the story about um, Steve Wynn and his pattern of harassment over, I think a 30 year period. Um, And it was actually interesting because that article came out and uh, they asked someone in HR um, for com- for comment about it. And they said, you know, if this has supposedly been going on for 30 years, it's interesting because we've never gotten a whistleblower complaint about it. <laughs> so mm. to me, that was like, that doesn't mean it's not happening. That means right. the system isn't working to facilitate people speaking up about it. What's interesting too, Claire, is... is- it sounds like you're building a platform to that facilitates long term where you have these ongoing issues cuz once you've been in a company for a while you you tend to I don't know if assimilate is the right word but you assimilate into the culture how do you how do you allow the platform to drive I guess the enthusiasm of people who are fresh because when you're fresh in a company, you see things a lot differently than you do as you progress through a company. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think, you know, to tie into that, people who are new to a company, uh, unlike Susan, who is, uh, like I said, a unique and brave individual, right, often feel the least comfortable speaking up, yeah. right? Because 
They just started. They don't have, you know, they may not have like advocates within the organization. They may not feel protected if they speak up and it's not received well. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do with All Voices and what we've talked about from the very beginning is how do you help companies build a bottoms up culture where the culture is actually being built from the most junior, you know, most new, um, Mm -hmm. least likely to speak up employees potentially. And the culture is not being set necessarily just from the top and kind of like Mm -hmm. trickling down. Yeah. And I think the way that you do that is to enable information to come from those junior employees or those brand new employees, like you're saying, and enable that information to get to decision makers and um, executives and the board. And that was really what we intended from from day one. That's awesome. I I think that's so powerful just from the perspective of the the new person alone. Um I, I love that there's a solution out there. What does the solution look like today at this moment? What what is when when people are interacting with all voices, what does it look like? So the way it works is that employees uh at a given company, um, if their company has signed up with us and using the the platform. They have a unique landing page that they can go to, sort of taking a page out of the whistleblower hotline book. That's actually something that I think works really well. It's web-based. They don't have to download an app. They don't have to log in. They don't have to create a password. It's meant to both be anonymous if they want and feel anonymous. And and those are two different things, obviously related, but, but separate. And they can... Uh, submit feedback, ask questions, report something serious. They can basically share whatever they're experiencing. And the idea is that by doing so, their company can better understand their employees' reality. What is actually happening? What are people actually experiencing? What do they need? What do they want? And where might they have ideas or Um, constructive feedback that can be incredibly helpful actually to leadership. So Hmm. it's not just about asking for things. It's also contributing. Right. On the recipient side, uh, the company has a number of different administrators who are in the platform and can receive Mm -hmm. that feedback or those questions or those comments. And then there's a two-way messaging uh, tool so that they can respond back to that employee we at All Voices text that employee when they've received a response and we give them a place where they can go to have a conversation, um, which is also web-based. All of their information is encrypted. Uh, the company cannot see you know, anything about the person they're talking to. There's just a unique identifier assigned to that person. Um, and it's not even to the person, it's to the, the report or feedback itself. Mm. And then within the tool, there's a bunch of different features for administrators to help them better respond to issues. So let's say, and we've had so many things like this happen, but let's say they're starting to get questions about a benefit. You know, why don't we have a a maternity leave policy or something like that? Why don't we, why don't we offer paid leave for, for fathers, right? There could be, let's say that's the question. And let's say it comes in a couple times. They definitely need to respond to that individual to say like, oh, actually, we do have this policy. Here it is. Send them the policy. Or we don't have it, but that's something we're working on. Or 
thank you for sharing this feedback. This is something we're going to look into a bit more. Um, so it can drive further action. Maybe they will have someone on their team do some research about what other companies at their at, of their size or in their industry are doing. Hmm. Best practices, right? Maybe they'll survey. So we have surveys built into our platform as well as a, as a tool for them to do some, some more digging into things. So let's say they send a survey and they say, hey, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how important is having a paid leave policy? You know, do you have any more thoughts about this? Uh, is this the kind of thing that would cause you to, you know, leave the company if you were deciding to have children? Like they could basically do a pulse survey on any topic of a department or a team or of the entire company to get even more feedback than they've initially received. And so that's how we see people using the system. They can also, Mm -hmm. some employees are comfortable talking to HR or their manager about a problem or an issue or a question. Um, So we also have a case management system so that people who are comfortable speaking up, their perspectives are getting captured in the system as well. So the administrator is inputting that feedback into the system. Mm -hmm. And then we have data and analytics and insights so they can see, okay, what are the topics being brought up both directly and indirectly? Nice. What are the top issues? What are the top, you know, questions, concerns? Um, And they can start to use that data to inform, you know, changes in policies or practices or communication in a way that actually benefits the entire company. That is amazing. Thank you. What are some of the stories of impact that you've been hearing of of companies using All Voices? I mean, we've heard so many things. Some of the things that I am the most excited about uh, are stories that I've heard that made me the happiest, I guess. (laughs) One is that a lot of our customers have told us that they roll out all voices to their employee base. And we help a lot with like the onboarding and implementation and get kind of like marketing it to employees, making them aware of it and making them, making sure they trust it and feel comfortable using it. And sometimes, oftentimes actually, uh, our customers will get their first report and they're, oh my gosh, our first report. And they log in and they look at it and it's literally someone anonymously saying, thank you so much for putting this in place. I don't have anything to share today, but it makes me feel so much more comfortable knowing that we have this resource for the future. So that's one of the things that really like excites me because it's like, even by having this in place, just the act of doing it, it is viewed by employees as an act of care uh, on behalf of, you know, the company is taking a step to take care of their employees simply by making this available to them. And that's really how it's perceived. So that that really has stuck with me and that's something I continually hear. Another story, more sort of like tactical specific, one of our customers told me uh, a story about how they created a new PTO policy right before the holidays. So like Hmm. just before everyone was planning to head off on vacation, the policy changed. And I'm not sure in what way it changed or how or, you know, but it was, I think, changed for the worse for employees. Hmm. And, you know, I'm the CEO of my company. So I understand like 
sometimes you have to make decisions and you don't really know what everyone's perspective is in advance and you just make the decision and hope for the best and try to get feedback after the fact, right? You can't ask everybody to weigh in on everything. So I have a lot of, you know, sympathy for that, but they just got like a wave of feedback from employees Mm -hmm. repeatedly just saying the same thing, which is like, I don't like this new policy. It doesn't work for me. I already booked my flights. I now I can't take the vacation or my family's Mm -hmm. expecting me or whatever. Yeah. And the head of HR was able to take all of that data. It all was within eight hours um, after the announcement was made. Take that data up to the CEO, say, hey, we're getting a lot of bad feedback about this. Um, And my recommendation is that we roll it back in response to the feedback. So change the policy back to what it was before. Right. And with all of the data and the information, as opposed to, you know, this is my gut instinct, Mm-hmm. Um, or one person has complained to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was enough to roll the policy back. And the really cool thing about that is that the messaging is like, "Hey, we hear you, we heard mm-hmm. you, and we're going to make a change as a result of what you've told us." And I think that is like an incredible thing that companies can do to build trust mm-hmm. with their employees. Yeah. I'll give you another example, please. I use the tool internally. So I (laughs) received feedback from our employees. Um, We have about 45 employees now. And so I receive feedback, I respond to it. And I also use the pulse surveys um, in the case management system. And so um, I was doing, we were approaching open enrollments and I was doing, um, looking at benefits. And I was like, hey, we just raised our series A. I want to give people a new benefit because we have a little bit of extra budget now. I had these ideas in my mind of what some great benefits might be. I did some research. I talked to some other founder friends and I came up with the list. Hmm. Now, most people without a tool like All Voices or without a like really strong feedback culture might just say, announcement, you have a new benefit. Everybody <laughs> right. cheer for me. Um, and that's it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we have to live our values. Like I have to practice what I preach every day to our customers and to Mm -hmm. people we're um, talking to about our platform. And so I sent out a survey. It was like, hey, considering some new benefits here, you know, pick your top choice from this dropdown. Let me know if you have any other thoughts or or feedback. I always try to do like open text in a survey because I feel like you have to get that. Mm -hmm. And it was hilarious because it basically taught me the lesson that I already like new, but wasn't applying to the situation, which was, you don't know what you don't know. So Mm. I don't know what people's top benefit is. I don't even know what should be on that list. Right. Right. And if I'm not providing a forum for people to share that, I might have certainty about what I'm doing, but incorrectly. So Mm. what was funny was I got the survey back. The top benefits choice was not on my list. It was Mm. a write-in. So enough people wrote it in that it topped anything that I had listed. (laughs) (laughs) It was incredible. And I was like, oh my gosh, we have to do it. It wasn't something I was considering because it wasn't pretty, it wasn't like standard for companies of our size and stage, but like why bother investing 
money in a benefit that nobody really wanted, as opposed to investing a little more money in something that pretty much everybody seemed to want. That's amazing. What a great illustration, too, of building a tool and actually using it yourself. Yeah, we have to. I mean, we, yeah, that's, we have to because we're saying this is the number one way to build a healthy culture. How can we say that right. if we're not using it? Yeah. And just, I, I guess, too, it's like one of those situations where when you're using the tool, you get a different perspective on what trust in the tool means. And then you're able to also build that back into the tool for the people using the tool. Exactly. Also, I, I understand like pain points for users, yeah. right? Like what, wh- what are the things I want it to do that it's not currently doing? Right. So it is, it provides some empathy for our customers and like a better understanding of our employees. And to me, that's, incredibly valuable. Yeah. Well, Claire, one of the things that I'm curious about is as you've developed and founded this company and built it up and and worked with your team to create this amazing product, how has that changed the way you approach root cause problem solving and looking at massive problems again? Because I imagine you look at things differently. I do. I mean, I still use the same like methodologies in building this platform that I've always used. So Mm -hmm. constantly like being curious, asking questions, seeking out input, but you know, we're, let's see, almost five years in at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the other thing I know and have realized is at some point you just have to, you know, we're moving quickly. You have to make decisions. Um, yeah. And you can't let uh, perfect be the enemy of the good, right? So <laughs> right. in the absence of being able to do like an in-depth root cause problem solving exercise on every single thing we're trying to solve or every single decision we're trying to make, yeah, sometimes you have to just go with your gut or ask a couple people for their perspectives. You know, everyone's going to have opinions on everything. And I think it's always like a... For me, it's a balancing act of like, yeah, getting a couple of people's perspective on something and then ultimately checking that against like my instincts because mm-hmm. I'm the only one that has all of the information right. in a lot of these situations. So if it's like looking at our product roadmap with our product team, it's like, okay, talking to some customers, getting some feedback from our team, getting some feedback from the sales team, like getting perspectives from experts in our space. But at the end of the day, like we internally have to just, you know, define what success looks like and then make the decisions that we think are going to be most likely to lead to that success. Well, Claire, as we wrap up our time together, what's one thing you want listeners to take away from our conversation? I mean, we covered a lot, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And it was all amazing. Thank you. Yeah, this was a really, really great chat. I enjoyed it so much. Um, I think it's like the the takeaway is just work on something that matters to you. I think that it's really easy to get swept up in, oh, I got this cool job offer or I'm going to you know, make a lot of money or yeah, I have this idea about what this might, might do for me in the future. Mm-hmm. But like, 
this past almost five years has just flown by for me. And I owe that to the fact that I wake up every day and I'm really, really excited about what we're doing um, as a company. And even like, of course, I have hard days too. Mm -hmm. Of course, we've gone through like the business has gone through ups and downs. But to me, like it almost, I won't say it doesn't, but it almost doesn't feel like work. (laughs) And so I really think like people who are listening, if they can take away, like it is a luxury and it doesn't always happen right away. But if you can start to like, even if you're just on the journey toward finding something that you love to do, like just make sure you're moving closer and closer in that to that over time, as opposed to, you know, further and further away. Well, final question for you. What book, podcast, or resource is currently blowing your mind right now? Oh my gosh. Um, I wish I had more time for books because I love to read. Um, I'm in a book club, which is a great like forcing function <laughs> yeah. for reading. So I'm really loving, um, I've loved like almost all the books we've read in this book club. Uh, We mostly do like classics, but we're right now reading Train Dreams by Dennis Johnson. And he's just such a beautiful writer. We, yeah, we've read a couple other books I've really liked. I loved The Stranger by Camus. Um, We've read uh, Love in the Time of Cholera. Just like some amazing, like there's so much really good classic literature that Mm -hmm. I think flies under the radar as you know sometimes it's mm-hmm. like 80 years old uh right. but if you can get it if you love like classic literature even open to it like get a small group together like two or three people it doesn't have to be huge and just like commit to all reading something and then talking about it for an hour like it's it's really a great way for me to like disconnect and slow down and mm-hmm. um immerse myself in something that's like completely different from you know, because I listen to like podcasts about my job and right. I read books about my job, but this is, <laughs> this is a way to do something a little different. I absolutely loved everything that Claire had to say in this episode, but there was one thing that really resonated with me and it was the call to work on something that matters to you. Whether that's something that is only for yourself or is part of the work that you do with your team, find that purpose, find that calling to do something beyond yourself. It can really make a difference. As we head into June of 2022, I also wanted to note that we are entering the sixth year of Getting Work to Work. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for all the feedback that I've received over the years. It truly has been an honor to produce this show. And moving forward, I'm going to be returning to the weekly monologue format for a few months because I'm getting used to a new job. And with that, I'm finding the balance between my new job and my side job and whatever I want to call this stuff that I do. And and really, it's about finding how I can really make this podcast the most impactful it can be for you, the listener. I'm definitely learning a lot on this new job that I'm going to be bringing to the show eventually, but it's just really trying to find that balance. Well, until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.